Back to throw. In trouble. He's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs. Gets away again. Goes to the 40. Gets away again. To the 35. Cuts back at the 30. To the 20. The 15. The 10. He dies. Touchdown 49ers. What's up, 49ers faithful? We are about one week away from the biggest draft in... I don't know how many years now for the 49ers. It's a, it's been a long time since a, this much has been riding on one draft. So as always, Zaynak be with you. Al couldn't be with us today, but man, have I got a great guest host for all of y'all. He is former NFL AFL cornerback, Eric Crocker, Crocker Report. He is my go-to for DB analysis, man. Thank you so much for co-hosting with me today, man. How you doing? Oh man, I'm honored, man. I'm honored to be on your guys' show, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, we've been talking about getting you on for a little bit. Like, we've been talking literally for a couple of months because the, the the Stafford thing happened. I, I messaged you like that day. I was like, yeah, yeah. we can talk about this. And it never happened. And here we are a couple of months later, and they did make a move for a quarterback. We just don't know which one it is. Right. So yeah. we want to get into that today. We got a mock for you today, uh, the official No Huddle Podcast mock that we do every year. Uh, we got it coming out. And man, Let's just get get into these quarterbacks, dude. There's we're at number three now. It's been a lot of smoke. It's been the longest lead up to a draft ever, like since they made this trade, man. What what what's your gut feeling? I, I mean, I was telling you, I wish that, you know, in a perfect world, they could make this trade the day of the draft, so we didn't have this much time to talk about it. But I will say that it has definitely made for good content. So anybody that is a you know a content creator, podcast writer, or other um, YouTube, whatever it is. I think this has been a great time for those guys because everybody's so interested on like who exactly this pick is going to be. And I think you can make a case for any of the three guys that it sounds like they're interested in, you know, whether it's Mac Jones, Trey Lance, or Justin Fields. I feel like there's a scenario where each one of them can thrive and, and do well with the 49ers. I think really what it's going to come down to is what flavor does Kyle Shanahan you know, prefer at this moment. And, and that's the, that's the question that we're going to try to talk through a little bit today. Yeah. And we've heard so much smoke around Mac Jones. He's been like, it's predominantly been Mac Jones, like 85% Mac Jones smoke. And then a little bit of field smoke after the pro day. And then like very little Lance smoke. Um, I feel like Trey Lance didn't have a great pro day. I feel like he, he left a little bit on the field and you, I, we talked about it afterwards and you kind of felt the same way. But I think that like, when it comes down to it, the the Niners don't leak. We know this, right? They do, they do everything in silence, right? They move like G's and lasagna, right? Just completely silent, right? <laughs> they didn't do any of that stuff. They didn't leak the John Lynch hire. They didn't leak the Jimmy trade. They didn't leak the Buckner trade. They didn't leak this trade moving up. They don't do that. They didn't leak the Trent Williams trade when they traded for him. Um, and even Trent Williams was the only one that said anything about him re-signing, right? When he said, you're barking up the right tree. So this team, they do not put stuff out there. So this is mostly media manufactured uh, speculation that you're hearing about Mac Jones. I'm not saying Mac Jones is a bad quarterback, but I think that for what you want to do now, and you, you tweeted this out like months ago, like during the season, when we're talking about potentially moving on from Jimmy G, you said they got to make a home run move. And when you make a home run move, you got to go all or nothing. You're all in. And you don't make that move for Mac Jones. Like he's a, he's a fine quarterback and I would have been maybe okay with him at 12. But when you're sitting in three and Justin Fields is there, premier athlete, Trey Lance is their premier potential. Like it has to be one of those guys, doesn't it? You know, that's, that's the way that, you know, I would think about it. Right. You know, now 
obviously since then there have been a lot of guys that have come out to Mac Jones' defense. And I think, you know, like you, I think Mac Jones is a, a, a really fine and solid quarterback. You know, I remember tweeting out in October, like, man, if there's a guy that's a Kyle Shanahan style quarterback, which what we have known to be a Kyle Shanahan quarterback, you know, up to this date or up until that time, it was a Kirk Cousins style quarterback, right? Like this guy that's just really good and efficient in the pocket, maybe doesn't have the biggest of arms, right? And I'm looking at Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm looking at Mullins, right? I'm looking at those type of guys where I'm like, man, you know, they aren't these elite athletes or anything like that. They can't really make plays off script, but they, they deliver, they are efficient. You know, for the most part, like that, ideally they are efficient. And I thought Mac Jones did a lot of those things and even a little bit better because I thought like just him throwing the ball downfield, it looked like he was just a little bit more comfortable doing it. And at least Alabama was comfortable with him doing it in their offense. So they threw the ball downfield a ton. But I was just looking at him, I'm like, man, I could see Kyle Shanahan liking him. Now, when I said that, that was with the thought process of Mac Jones not being the third overall pick. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, I do like him. And I do like a lot of things that he brings to the table. And, and I could see a scenario where Kyle Shanahan really likes him. But even then, I would have a hard time taking him over a guy that has a higher ceiling because what do we do all year, right? We're, we're looking at these other quarterbacks that can do more, that are more athletic, that can you know make plays, that can make the play. And when you watch and, and watching that, the thoughts that are always going through our head is, man, just imagine if Kyle Shanahan had that style of quarterback. And you just always think like, now nah, the 49ers won't be in a position to be able to grab a quarterback like that. And then now all of a sudden they're in potential to, they're in a position to be able to grab one or two guys that have that type of ability. And everybody's like, well, you know, you start nitpicking that guys. And well, he's not good at this. He's not good at that. And what people don't understand is the guys that we drill over during a the year, they weren't that when they first came into the league, there is a bit of a process, but you play it out. And eventually, hopefully, you bet on their talent and you end up with one, you know, a top five or 10 quarterback in the league. You know, if you, if you ask yourself, Hey, in three years, can I see, you know, Matt Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields being a top seven quarterback in the league. If the answer is no, that you can't see it with one of those guys, then why would you pick that person at three? And right. I think that's, that's the question that really needs to be asked to Kyle. You know. Yeah, and I'm I, I'm totally with you there. And the thing about Mac Jones is, look, he's not terribly athletic. Like, and when I say not athletic, I'm not talking about like compared to the average person. I'm talking about like all of y'all, like football players, right? Compared to them in that pool, he's not terribly athletic, right? He's athletic enough to get stuff done at the college level, but the NFL game, and you can attest to this, the NFL game is so much faster, and everything happens faster. The reads are faster, the players are faster. Everything happens at a different level speed. The processing has to be faster. And I think that's why people like Mac Jones is because he, he processes stuff really fast. And that's why people see him as a, him as a fit in Kyle's offense because that's what Kyle really wants. He wants somebody that's really quick at processing because like passing lanes open and close, passing windows open and close so quickly. But the athleticism thing bothers me because like you said, you're looking at a league that's evolving at the quarterback position and you don't have necessarily guys that are just running around scrambling like Mike Vick and RG3 and Kaepernick were. But you have guys that can do both, like Josh Allen, right? Or, you know, when Carson Wentz was playing well with Philly, like guys that are mobile enough to beat you with their legs occasionally. And that statue prototypical pocket quarterback that they used to have in the league that every team used to want, that's kind of a thing in the past now. It's kind of a thing of the past. So I'm not sure if Mac Jones is athletic as they want him to be to, to be able to get the things done that they need to do. Um, 
and somebody posed a question to me on Twitter, like they're like, well, you know, he is athletic enough. I'm like, well, I mean, the, the issue is this. So I'll use myself as an example. Like, you know, when I was in college and I, and I was playing on my team, I was not the, the most athletic guy on the team, right? But if you take if you take me off of that team and put that into like a pool of my friends and like my associates out of the team, I was the most athletic guy, right? So <laughs> we're looking at like, you know, we have to, this, it's all relative, right? So we have to look at how athletic Mac Jones is compared to his peers. And he's not very athletic compared to his peers. So when you need a guy, when you need a guy that when your scheme is shut down, like in a Super Bowl, for example, right? When they shut down the scheme, Chris Jones has blown everything up because he's got pressure up the middle. They can't run play action because he's he's on them right away by the time the fake is made. Jimmy's Jimmy had to get the ball out of his hand or make a read, and, and they just couldn't do that. You need a guy that can take over the game for the, that drive or those few plays or that play that's a tipping point, an inflection point in the game, and go off script. You're not talking about the, talking about a guy that's just like free freelancing all the time and freewheeling all the time. You you want a guy that can occasionally make a playoff script. And to me, Justin Fields and Trey Lance are they they are of that mold. And remember, right. Trey Lance is only 20 years old, man. That's people. That's right. people don't realize. Trey is that year at 19, and and I think mm -hmm. that's the part people are missing too. Where is mm -hmm. like, look, this this was beginner stage Trey Lance. Mm -hmm. And yes, you have to gamble on will he get better, but that's when you have to find out what type of kid this is. And from everything I hear, you know, I I've been listening to the last couple of uh, um, uh, Matt Mayoko podcasts, and they were really good. The last two, one was with Greg Cosell, the next one was with Quincy Avery. So you kind of got to find out a lot about just kind of like the process of you know what are the coaches going through. I know when I was listening to Cosell on there, the one thing was he said was well. Do you draft a guy that can make a few plays off script per game? And Mayoko's pushing the hard line of, no, you don't. Like, you don't solely draft a guy for that. But my thing is, these guys aren't just that. They're not just off script players. They, you just want a guy that has the ability to do that. But these guys, they do a lot of things very well. And I think one thing that Greg Cosell said that people maybe skipped over a little bit was every player, that you draft right now, you know, these quarterbacks or other, they are not their finished product. Mm -hmm. I think that's the part that people have to understand. Like when these guys get to the league, they will continue to get better, hopefully, right? With good coaching and if they have that work ethic. Now, when you question the work ethic and things like that, or you know, you have that question, like, well, is this a good kid? Is he gonna work hard? When I was listening to Quincy Avery, and I don't know if you've heard it, but Quincy Avery talking on Mayoko's uh, podcast, and he was saying, Trey Lance, what he was doing to stay in that mode of, you know, well, I didn't have a season, but I need to stay sharp. He was getting um, a play, a playbook from an NFL player, right? So a quarterback gave him his playbook. He went over, it was like Monday, he went over a certain thing. Tuesday, he went over a certain thing. Three, and, and it was like, it would be like first downs, second downs, all third downs. He would look at the defense. He knew what their game plan was. He would take all his notes as if he's a quarterback in that meeting room. And then um, they would work on some of those things. And then at the end of the week, go over his notes with the actual quarterback that's in the NFL that it was their game plan. And he would compare and contrast their notes. So, like, he was staying involved in it mentally, you know, from that standpoint. Again, nothing is better than, like, live reps. But it just shows to, like, what type of work ethic this guy has. He could have just been sitting around and, well, okay, every couple of days I'll go throw. And that'd be good enough. Like, no, like he stayed working to keep his mind sharp. 
And I think that just says a lot about the type of preparer he is. So whatever, and I feel strongly about this, and this is why, you know, my gut feeling says it's Trey Lance. Whatever Trey Lance is right now, he's not even close to what he's going to be in a couple of years. And I don't think, I know there's a lot of people like, well, we don't have a couple of years to wait. We're in a win now mode. No, you can still play with him and, and win and do things with him right now. But that still doesn't mean that he's what he's going to be in three years, which I think with his mentality and his ability and upside, he's going to be a terrific guy. Yes, there are some concerns. Yes, he hasn't played a whole lot of football. Yes, he hasn't played at the Division One level. I mean, uh, excuse me, he hasn't played at the FBS level. Um, yes, he's been out for a year. Yes, he has some accuracy concerns. But I think when you find out those type of things about a player and you understand what type of work he's willing to put in to be great, you can't help but think that, you know what, this is the guy that I, if I'm going to take a big swing, this is a big swing. And regardless of if I miss, no matter who, if I miss on Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, I'm out of here anyways. So let me take a big swing on somebody who I really feel like, all right, he's going to work his tail off to become what I think he can be. And I'm betting on that. That's actually a really good point. And about Trey Lance, so his comp is actually Josh Allen. And that's his closest comp, right? Uh, Justin Fields' comp is, was, was kind of Russell Wilson, like a larger Russell Wilson. But I mean, like, either way here, if you go with either of those guys, you really can't go wrong, in my opinion, right? right. Like, we, we heard about the, the epilepsy thing that, that uh, Justin Fields is dealing with that, that it came out, actually, as of the recording of the show today, um, and how he manages it with medications and things like that. But um, I think that uh, when it comes down to it, um, if you got a guy that you feel can run your offense for the next 10 years and run it effectively and that defenses won't catch up to because he has enough physical tools to make up for scheme changes or defenses catching up. Because, look, we have to realize that the, the defenders are paid, too. Like, you guys are paid, too, to stop the, stop the offense, right? right. Like it's not just going to be one of those things where you plug and play like a Mac Jones or Trey Lance or Justin Fields in, and they're just going to automatically grow every year. Like you're going to have setbacks. And I think that when you have a guy like Trey Lance, and since we're on him right now, you have somebody that you're more patient with when it comes to those setbacks because of his youth. Like, dude, do you remember when you were 20 years old? Like I just remember when I was 20 <laughs> years old, I wasn't done developing dude. <laughs> like, I'm old physically. like I don't even know. want to talk about what I was doing at 20 years old. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what I mean, right? Like, when we were 20 years old, dude, like we were, you know, we were in college, we were on our teams, but like, you know, you're learning how to, how to eat, right. You're learning the, 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 um, the nutritional aspect of it. You're trying to learn how to work out properly. You're learning all of these things and you're trying to, to mold your body into adulthood. And now you're talking about Trey Lance, who's in that same stage of his life where his body isn't really even finished developing yet. And now you're going to put him in, you know, the NFL with fully grown ass men. Right. So I think that a lot of patience is going to be needed with his development. And I think that Kyle, I see why Kyle would like him because he feels like he's very moldable at this point. Like he doesn't have bad habits to get out of. Like, you know, the thing with Jimmy right. is that he has a lot of bad habits now and it's harder to get out of those than it is to mold a fresh, a fresh quarterback. And I think that especially that's when you don't it. have like any change up to get off of that. Right. Like with Jimmy G, yeah. everything has to be time timing based. Like everything has to be precision Passing, yeah. he has to be pinpoint accurate with everything. He has to make sure that he's seeing everything exactly right because if he doesn't get the ball out of his hands right now, the play, for the most part, is pretty much dead. And mm -hmm. when you have a guy like Trey Lance, even as he goes through different transitions of teams, adjusting to him and stuff, his ability to get out on the edge, you know, make plays on the move, 
that gives him a little change up. Now, there are things that people will point to where, well, he rolled out this time. Look at him miss, it. Look at him miss this throw. Uh, okay, like that's fixable. That's, that's correctable, right? Like with work and, and, you know, continuously working on throwing on the move and doing those things, we've seen him do it well. Why does he miss, right? Does, is he miss, does he miss because he's just so inaccurate? Or does he miss because, well, look at his feet and the shoulders here. They're not right, and he needs to get better at doing something like that. Like, that's why when I look at him and I'm watching the film, and I was watching the film the other day, I was just like, man, he's not perfect. But the things that he needs to improve on, you can see why he misses. It's not random. It's just, oh, man, look at his feet. Like, oh, he doesn't have, you know, all his cleats in the ground. Like, oh, look at his shoulders. Like, look how he's going up and down. Like, you look at these things, and it's like, well, all these things are fixable with reps. And those are things he hasn't had, right? He hasn't had a ton of reps. But now he has the time to get right. You get plug him into an NFL team. Say he goes to the 49ers and they keep Jimmy Garoppolo. Now he's in a position to where, hey, I can work on these things. Hopefully, eventually, they can kind of phase him in there. Because I, I don't want him to sit out a whole year. We're yeah. talking about this guy needing, oh, he hasn't played enough, right? He needs more. Re- well, okay, well, we're just going to have to get him these reps, <laughs> you know? And we're going to live with what kind of comes from that, the ups and downs of that. But eventually, like Buffalo Bills, they rolled it out. The thing that people miss with Buffalo Bills and, uh, and Josh Allen is although he was having his ups and downs and he had his struggles and st- by year two, they were in the playoffs. Yeah. And, that, uh, and he still wasn't what he was last year <laughs> going mm-hmm. to the AFC championship game. But in year two, they were a playoff team. In year two, they were up 16-0 on Deshaun Watson in Houston, Texas. You mm-hmm. know, so I think sometimes people just got to understand, like, hey, we're doing a really good job putting a great team around this young guy. He has all the ability. He has intangibles. He has things that we can win with right now. We're going to have some ups and some downs. Let him learn from that. And don't focus so much on winning the Super Bowl right now. Obviously, that's the goal, right? You want to win the Super Bowl. But mm-hmm. what about next year? What about the year after that? What about the year after that? Right? Like, let's have a dynasty. Let's not just have what we've been having so far, which was we had three good years with Harbaugh, and then we were trash the next few years. We had, you know, a trash year with uh, two trash years with Shanahan. A Super Bowl and then trash again. Like, no, like, like let's have continuous, like, uh, uh, really good seasons so that we can have something to be happy about, man. Like, yeah. I feel like everybody's on pins and needles right now, just so nervous about this whole thing. But something in my gut, and we'll get to the quarterbacks, but something in my gut for the last few weeks has told me that it was Trey Lance. And I actually reached out to Quincy Wilson, Quincy, uh, uh, Quincy, and uh, I was just like, or Quincy Avery, excuse me. And I was like, and this was like a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, man, I just, something in my gut tells me before when I was a big and Trey Lance. I was like, I don't know what it is. I haven't had this feeling before. Before I just didn't know. I'm like, oh, I have no idea. And I was like, just something telling me it's him. And he was like, well, you, he was like, I think it might be too because they reached out to him and he was like, they wanted him to go work with Beck. And he was like, and he said, that's Kyle's boy. That's what Kyle wanted. This was before anybody else heard about it. So I'm like, wait, yeah. like, this is kind of breaking news. Now, I didn't say anything. I actually sent it to a couple of people, like Chris Biederman. I'm like, hey, man, look at this. Like, you know? <laughs> um, but it was kind of like, you know, and then like two days later, that was when it kind of got out that Trey yeah. Lance was working. But there were people like, hmm, did like Kyle asked, like Kyle 100% said, this is what I want. So I'm curious to see how that whole thing kind of plays out. Yeah. And like you, the, the John Beck thing is really interesting because Justin Fields also worked with John Beck too. Right. And mm-hmm. the only quarterback, the only top three guy not to work with John Beck is Mac Jones. Right. So 
really we have to look at and we're literally just following breadcrumbs here we don't know we don't know what the niners are thinking we don't know what what they're intending on doing but if we look at the way that kyle structured this out all the quarterbacks that all the pro days that he went to they're all doing little uh snippets from kyle's playbook and things that he wants specifically like a rollout left uh justin fields i think executed that the best uh he he threw it about 60 was it 64 yards downfield 65 yards downfield falling away from the line of scrimmage um, Lance looked good doing that too. Um, Mac Jones, not so much, but I don't think that's his thing, but it's interesting to see his fingerprints on all of this whole quarterback search, because I feel like the last time taking a step back from this and, and going to 2017, the last time that they were in this position, they didn't do their due diligence and they, and right. they're paying for it now because if they had drafted Deshaun Watson, I mean, all the allegations and stuff aside, he's, he's a good quarterback or drafted Patrick Mahomes. You're not drafting a quarterback this year, right? You've got your quarterback. But then you can say, or well, how would Trubisky have been with him if that was the guy, right? Yeah, exactly. what would Trubisky have looked like? Because he has all the ability. Now I, I don't know why he didn't succeed in Chicago, but you know you can kind of throw him in the mix to where, you know, hey, maybe we would have seen a better version of Trubisky. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like you don't, you, we don't know what would have happened. So I think this time, like it's kind of like that PTSD from last time that they had. They're like, all right, like. Mm -hmm. You know, we messed up last time. We didn't do a due, our due diligence. And maybe if, even if they're not intending on picking one of these guys, they're like, all right, let me just see. Because anything can happen between now and the draft, right? Like, you know, Laramie Tunsil, right? Like that whole situation. <laughs> if one of these dudes was on a gas, gas mask bong or something like that, right? Like then it's like, okay, we got to go with plan B or something like that, right? So they got to do their due diligence. And I understand that like it's, it's frustrating for people that are on the outside because it looks like, you know, they're doing a certain thing. And to the media, it looks like they're doing a certain thing. They push that narrative. But we have to remember that there's a reason why they, they made this trade. And I think that they know who they want, like with this trade, when they went, when they traded up, they have a plan A and plan B. They're like plan, plan A is like, if, if this guy's available, we, we're going to get him. Plan B is like, if our number one gets hurt during workouts or something like that, we go with the plan B then, right? Brad like, you know, tears an ACL or something like that during workouts. It happens all the time. Right. And then they go with their plan B based off that. But the notion that like they, they made this trade, several weeks ago not knowing who they were going to pick to me is totally bs like they know who they want and there's a reason why they jumped up in front of atlanta like we had this, this discussion as well i feel like atlanta wants one of fields or lance and they jumped up in front of atlanta to get the guy that they want because they know what they know what the jets are doing now right they know what Salah's doing trevor lawrence is going number one at this point to me it's between those three quarterbacks that we mentioned and drilling down even more it's probably between honestly Lance or Fields for me. Right. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I just feel like that's just my gut feeling. Like it's a two quarterback race. They know what are those two guys. They they know which one they want, and the other one is Plan B in case of gas mask bong. Now, now just playing devil's advocate, right? And kind of you know, with Mac Jones, he he did not. He's the only guy that did not work with Beck. But maybe they felt like they were comfortable with him and everything they needed to know. They knew from film or whatever. Um, now I wouldn't have, I wouldn't go about it <laughs> that way, right? But um, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. What if they just they've liked him the whole time and didn't need to do a whole lot of digging? And maybe it was just like, you know what, we need to know more about Trey Lance and Justin Fields. So let's go ahead, make sure that they work with our guy. We can learn more about them, you know, yeah. more that you know, kind of shows on the outside. If we get a good report from our guy Beck. Then, all right, maybe we should have that conversation about maybe taking one of these other guys. Now, that's just a, that's just another, that's a devil's advocate way of kind of 
you know, thinking about it, maybe they do like like uh, Mac Jones a lot, you know, because I know most people don't want to hear that, but you know, I was I've been watching, I, I've watched a lot of Mac Jones, obviously, for various reasons, whether it's watching his receivers or just you know, the 49ers kind of going through this whole thing, so I'm watching him, and he does a lot of things very well. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of things very well. I, I I do think you know, everybody kind of throws out the whole processing thing, and I think like all these guys. And it, he doesn't, people don't paint this picture of him, but like all these guys, he has boneheaded decisions. He's had weird throws. You know, he's been inaccurate on throws. You can see a lot of times where his receivers save him. Like he has these issues too that people don't talk about as much. But even with, it, with all that, there are a lot of good that he does. I think his play in the pocket is like next level. He's always moving. He's always getting his feet under him, himself. And Setting up. I mean, his timing is really good with everything. I think his anticipation throws really good. You know, you talked about him not being a great athlete in comparison to his peers, but I do think like he has done a good job of if he needs to kind of take off, he mm-hmm. can if there's that window of opportunity. Right. Um, is he going to be a guy that just makes people miss and be able to make it throw? Like, no, that's never going to be him. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to make you miss and I'm going to go here and I'm going to throw. Like, no, you're not going to get that. But I think for the most part, like really just being able to execute an offense and I think really being able to visualize him in your offense, I think Kyle Shanahan would get that like day one. Now, again, you know, with all these guys, there could be a learning curve with Matt Jones. Like what's it look, going to look like when he doesn't have the best talent? And I know people are like, well, he's in college, he's in the SEC. And it's like, no, like, yeah, he's in college, he's in the SEC, but his talent on Alabama, like they have – the number one and number two recruiting class every year. They have the best talent, <laughs> you know? Like, we're talking about four receivers in the last two years that he's thrown to that are going to be going in the top 15. Like, that's insane. That's insane. Yeah. And I know he didn't have all of them for the whole entire time. But for the most part, he always had Devontae, uh, he always had Devontae um, Smith, who people don't really realize this, but he led Alabama in receiving last year, yards mm-hmm. and touchdowns. Like, he was their leading receiver. This year, obviously, uh, uh, you know, uh, he was a Heisman Trophy Award winner. But he's always been good. He's always been reliable. These mm-hmm. dudes make it easier to be a quarterback. Now, again, that's not taking anything away from Mac Jones, who I think does a really good job of playing in rhythm and delivering the throws. But his guys are winning. He and he's typically has a comfortable pocket. Like he, he's not someone that has to continuously under like be sped up mentally. Right when he drops back to throw the ball, he's not worried about getting hit. So he knows, man, I'm dropping back. I can comfortably go through my reads. If I have to like speed it up for on this play or whatever, like cool, I'll speed up on this rep and get this throw out. But like I'm watching, um, I was watching Georgia against uh, Arkansas State and Arkansas State's quarterback was getting killed by Georgia's line. Like Mm -hmm. when you have to play quarterback like that, where it's like, gosh, my, my line cannot block these guys. Like I'm under constant duress or even like, Justin Fields in the national championship playing against Alabama's defense where every single pass was contested. He had to be on point with everything that he did. He yeah. tried to, you know, he made some great throws. He made some plays with his legs, but it was not going to be enough because there wasn't that separation. The offensive line wasn't holding up. He had to really be on point with his timing. Like he was challenged as far as like what it's going to look like at the NFL. And he, yeah, he can improve on those things. But I don't think Matt Jones has faced that type of adversity at this level and still been challenged to make the big time throws. He's made the big time throws, but typically it's on his terms of being comfortable 
with what he's throwing into and not being rushed consistently mentally because you know my offensive line cannot block this defensive line across from me. When we did see that against him against Georgia, first play of the game, he threw an interception. And when you look at the all-22, it's like, bro, where were you throwing it? Even if you didn't get hit while throwing it in the ball and it get picked off, you were throwing it into double coverage with two guys running vertically with your safety. Like, that was a bad yeah. decision, but you were rushed and you made that decision. You know, so, you know, there, there's a lot to like about him. And I think I'm higher on him than a lot of 49ers Twitter. But I see no way you can take him over the other two guys. I mean, there's no way. Like, there's no way that – because the thing is, is that you've now given up two years worth of – the next two years worth of first-round picks – for, for this quarterback. So it's like, I think that's the biggest, the biggest thing. Uh, and I think that's what one of the problems was with Jimmy Garoppolo was the, the amount that they gave up to keep him and secure him. I think that we're kind of seeing that same thing with Mac Jones. Like, all right, like I said at the outset of the show, like I would have been cool with him at 12. Like I would have been fine with that. But like you gave up two picks, two first rounders, the next two years, you got to hit a home run. So we haven't really even touched on, on Justin Fields yet. But I mean, like when it comes to Justin Fields, like the only thing that really like kind of it's like a small small thing is that just that that long throwing motion, that's the only thing. It's not terribly long either. It's not like Tebow esque where it's like you know like a full pitcher wind up, but like he's got a little bit of a loopy throwing motion. So I mean like I mean it's not terrible, but I think that he would have to tighten that up a little bit. Trey Lance, I mean same thing. He's got Trey Lance is a quicker release, but his throwing motion is a little bit longer. But these things these are things that you can coach, right? There are things right. that you can get, help them get better at. So it's not like a deal breaker. It's just one of those things where um, I remember talking to Javi about this, like uh, during the season as well, shortly after the season concluded. And he said, look, man, all these guys have warts. All of them do. Like none of them are perfect. You're not getting an Andrew Luck this year out of any of these quarterbacks, like even Trevor Lawrence. So I think that like they're, they're all going to require very varying amounts of coaching. And you really have to go with the guys that have the highest ceiling. And Mac Jones is the safest pick here, right? Um, you equated it to bunting with runners on base and moving the runner over, right? When you're down a couple of runs, when you needed a home run. And I think that that's not what they need right now. If they didn't have Jimmy Garoppolo and if they were just kind of picking from scratch, I'd say Mac Jones is, all right, cool, make make him pick. But I feel like he does a lot of the same things that we wanted and kind of some of the things that we saw out of Jimmy. And you just have to move off of that because it limits your playbook. And it doesn't doesn't allow you to, to... to call certain things and fit and run certain fakes and certain actions off of your plays that will get the defense thinking because that's what really what, right. what wins. Right. So, you know, like, I, I don't know, like we've heard a lot of smoke around Mac Jones. I don't believe it. I don't believe that hype. Like, I think that, you know, uh, to me, Justin Fields, I think Justin Fields would be the pick. I'd be equally as happy to Trey Lance, no matter what, do you remember we're getting a Jersey this time, right? Whoever the quarterback is, you, we made this, <laughs> we made this deal, right? I know you don't yeah. buy jerseys, dude. We made this deal, right? We're getting. I don't buy jerseys either. I'm going to get this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whoever it is, right? With that being said, man, um, let's get into this mock draft. So we I, we got a little mock draft for you guys that we that we planned here, and um, it's the full seven rounds. Like we're gonna go without trades because like I don't have the the draft chart in front of me that that gives you the point value for each pick, and we're not gonna make it complicated like that. But let's start right at quarterback, right? So I think it's gonna be Fields. I think it's gonna be Justin Fields. I think that's the that's the right pick to make. He's the guy that has that wow factor. Um, everybody saw, you know, the picture of him smiling with Kyle Shanahan after the pro day and all that stuff, right? So <laughs> I think that that's, that's the pick that you have to make, right? Because right now, Kyle needs a guy that's not going to limit him. And Kyle needs a guy who can do basically anything that you want him to do. We t- he talked about the with Patrick Mahomes, right? 
in in the lead up to the draft. A guy that that make, lets you do everything. And to me, that guy is Justin Fields. He has the experience. Um, Trey Lance has only played 17 games, as has Mac Jones at the college level. Trey Lance is super young. Um, he's a little bit more polished than Lance, a little bit more accurate. And I would think that like in two years, this is like what you would see out of Trey Lance, maybe at a, at a higher level. But if Trey Lance was the same age, you would probably see the same thing out of him. Right. But I, just because Fields is further along, I, I think that the pick would be Fields. Yeah, and I'm, I'm completely fine with that. I mean, that's my favorite quarterback in this class, and that's including <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. You know, I just think that, really? Yeah. I, well, okay. I mean, obviously, like, there's a debate. I would say 1A, 1B. I think the thing that is crazy to me is that there is no, there is no conversation about, like, the comparing the two, which yeah. to me, if you were just to say from an accuracy standpoint, who's more accurate, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields? I think Justin Fields is. Who has the bigger arm? I think Justin, Justin Fields. Fields does. Who's more athletic? I think Justin, Justin Fields. Fields is. So, like, to, to my, like, when I look at it, like, who's, Played bigger in big moments. Obviously, we saw the one game in the national championship with um, with Trevor Lawrence, and that was great. And then we've seen the last two years where, you know, it's been a battle between him and Justin Fields. And we've seen one where Trevor Lawrence ended up coming out on top, making play more plays really with his legs. And then we saw the other time where Justin Fields dominated with his arms. So I just kind of look at them both like, to me, they're 1A, 1B. And I think it's crazy that there is no conversation. But in my opinion, just because I think that Trevor Warren, I mean, uh, Justin Fields is just more talented. You know, nobody else says it for whatever reason. Um, I, I, I like Justin Fields more. Now, what I like about him is just the intangibles, right? Like, we see the big plays, and, and I hate that people don't talk about him like this, but he is a pocket passer. Mm -hmm. Yes, he can make plays on the move. Yes, he is athletic. Yes, we know all those things, but he's a pocket passer. He plays from the pocket. I actually wish he would run more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I actually right. wish... He would make more plays with his legs, you know, because he's good at doing that. But he wants to play from the pocket. I compare him to like Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is a guy that plays from the pocket. Yes, he has the ability to move. And even then, he doesn't have a bigger arm as Justin Fields. He isn't, he's not as athletic as Justin Fields. But they both play similar in the sense of play from the pocket. Maybe they, not, they aren't as quick with their processing or whatever. But they do as asked of them. They make plays. They're able to win a lot of games. I think Dak mm -hmm. Prescott does a lot of the same. Um, you know, I just envision him with the 49ers and all the things that Kyle Shanahan would do and the full playbook being open. Can he get him better at hitting that open guy like right away? I'm, I'm sure he can, but this is what one thing I'll say about him and then we can get on with the rest of the uh, mock. Jimmy Garoppolo threw to his first read 80% of the time. Mm -hmm. So Kyle Shanahan does a really good job of defining his first read and getting right. that there. If you go over and practice, hey, this is your first read, and 80% of the time you're going to throw it to it, I think <laughs> Justin Fields could be very successful with that because he is extremely accurate. You know, yeah. Now, maybe his offense, and this is one thing I was talking to my QB buddy, maybe they didn't ask him to play quick game. So mm -hmm. you know, maybe they asked him to, hey, we got plays downfield. You know, you know, did he miss a, a play here and there or a throw here and there? They all did. I can show you times what Mac Jones did. I can show you times what Trevor Lawrence did. They all have. But I think overall, I'm betting on that tremendous upside and what we've already seen from him. And I think that has been tremendous. So um, I'm, I'm all in on Justin Fields. I would love to have him. I think he'd be great with the 49ers. So if that's the pick, I like, I like the first pick. <laughs> Absolutely. I, and, I, and I hope it is. I hope it is Justin Fields. And you know, one of the other things that, that we kind of – Oh, real quick. I forgot yeah. to say this. 
on a yeah. Mayoko podcast, listening to Quincy Avery. Quincy Avery said that this guy has like this photogenic memory. Mm-hmm. So um, he was saying Fields has like this photogenic memory and that he sees things and only has to see it like once. And then he's able to like retain all that information. And I guess like he's able to like memorize a playbook, like, like the back of his hand extremely quick. Yeah. And um, yeah, it helps like with all facets of facets of his game. So um, he was saying like some people would kind of question his work ethic or how long it takes him to do stuff. But because he processes or like he's able to pick up things so quickly, he doesn't have to spend as much time studying, I guess. And um, even though studying there, I guess when you ask Coach Day, those things have never been an issue with him. He studies hard and he does everything. But I think maybe if he's a guy that doesn't do it as much as long as other people, it's because he just remembers things. He has this photogenic memory. But his he had a a player on NFL Network yesterday vouching for him and was just like, dude, I laugh at what they're saying about Justin Fields. Like that stuff is ridiculous. It's hardest working dude that we know. Like first person in, last person out. Like everybody loves him. Like whatever they're talking about, like that's ridiculous. But yeah, I just had to throw that in there about what Quincy Avery said about that photogenic memory thing and how when he was at Elite Eleven. And everybody was like, Trevor Lawrence is the guy. He won Elite 11 because he was able to process that playbook faster than anybody else and pick it up extremely quick. And that was when he was a junior in high school. Damn, that's, that's processing, baby. That's, that's processing right there. We're talking about Mac Jones and the processing. I had no idea. That is, that is a really cool nugget of information. I had no idea about that. That's crazy. So, I mean, I can get, I can get why people don't think he's, he's dedicated. It's like, all right, cool. Like, you know, he's not spending time on the playbook, but like, you only have to look at it once to memorize it, right? So, yeah. yeah, he's not going to spend and again, time. I don't it. know. I'm not yeah. saying that he's not spending time with it. I'm just saying, like, that was one thing. If, if he's not, that could be the context behind it because he has this photogenic memory. That's super cool. That's really cool. Actually, I actually think that's really fantastic. I think, you know, when, when you look at, uh, before we move on to the next one, when you look at Justin Fields, like, we don't really know, like, what, what these guys are going to look like when they actually get into an NFL, you know, stadium, when the, when the, uh, the crowd is, is, we hopefully we will have crowds this this fall, uh, but like you know, crowds at full throat when you're playing up in Seattle and Pete Carroll's throwing all this stuff at you defensively and you're having to like process things. But I think that like you know, when it comes down to those sorts of things, like you want a guy that can actually create on his own and be able to do some things that you know, if you need to get a big play here and there just to get your team going to flip the field, flip momentum, whatever it is, he has that ability to do it. So yeah, I'm 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 all on Justin Fields too. Like I think that you know he's a fantastic quarterback. It's funny because Justin Fields was QB, like I guess one B for me, up until the Mac, the the, uh, the Zach Wilson hype started taking over. Um, so when all of that stuff started happening, like that's when Justin Fields got dropped down, and I was like inexplicably. I, I think Zach Wilson's a fantastic quarterback too, right? But but um, you know Justin Fields is number two for me up until then. I think he still is behind Lawrence. So hopefully that happens. Um, all right, pick forty three, second round. Um, you're gonna like this one. They need a corner. So Asante Samuel's kid, Asante Samuel Jr. Um, I think he'll be there at 43. The depth behind Verrett and Mosley and Kamron Williams, although I think that Samuel's not a, he's not he's not gonna be good in the slot. He doesn't have a good enough change of direction. Um, and he's really good with his ball skills, so you gotta keep him on the outside. Um right now with those two guys, I mean Mosley's on a two-year deal, Verrett's on a one-year deal. Like you need depth there. And I think that Asante Samuel's kid, like Asante Samuel Jr., is a fantastic value there. Yeah, I think even more so than just looking for depth at that position, you're looking for somebody that can potentially be a long-term starter. And yeah. him just having that, like, you know, that NFL bloodline and pedigree, uh, you know, you could see it on the film at Florida State. I think what he does really good job of, and really 
maybe so, maybe more so better than maybe anybody else in this class. I thought he was like the best tackling one of yeah. them, right? And like that yeah. doesn't mean like a whole lot, but I just thought like as far as understanding like his mentality and mental makeup, I thought that was really good to see. Um, as I continue to watch, I noticed that he has he does some really good things. I thought his anticipation was great um, from off coverage, being able to kind of sit on routes, drive back down, and break up passes. I thought mm-hmm. he was scrappy. I really liked that about him. Um, I thought he ran vertically with guys very well. Um, you know, I thought he uh, was versatile. At first, I was just like, man, they're playing him only to the field. Um, they're taking him out in the red zone. But then the more I watch him, I was like, oh, man, like, you know, he's pressed up here. He's playing off. He has a bell here. I thought he challenged himself very well in space. So he's going to be a really good scheme, versatile cornerback. And if the 49ers aren't all in on that 6'2", 200-pound cornerback, which if you look at the corners now, it looks like they're just looking more for guys that can just cover. Um, I think that he'd be a terrific pick at at, uh, 43. Yeah. I mean, I've been saying all along, I'm like, give me Fields at number three, Asante Samuel Jr. at number 43. And I'm, I'm happy. Another guy, like, so I think that like, you know, you could possibly flip flop these guys too. Depends on, you know, if enough teams be- believe in Asante Samuel or enough teams believe in the guy that I'm about to suggest for the next pick. Um, round three, one Oh two. Um, I don't know if he's going to fall this far. I would love to get him. They may have, I mean, if they wanted to trade up to get him, that's fine. Use one of the later picks, but, um, Aziz Ojulari, the linebacker from Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's undersized. And I think that like, because of that, like he would he would have fit better in the three four. But since there are so few teams running that, maybe he'll slide. And he's super raw as a pass rusher. But again, like this is one of those guys that like you put him in the rotation behind Bosa and Blair and and maybe D Ford, and he gets to learn from these guys. And and Chris Kosarek, like one of the best defensive line coaches in the game. Like when you put, when you put guys in that position, like look what they got out of Kerry Hyder, right? So you never know when guys have talent. I feel like you know this is one of those guys that. You know, because of his size, if he was a little bit bigger, he probably would have gone earlier. But like, you know, I think this is the max that he'll slide. I don't think personally, I don't think he'll slide round three. I think he'll be picked in round two. Um, but yeah, uh, Ojolari at, at uh, 103. I, you know, I like that. that that's a position, that, you know, the 49ers with the defensive line that definitely has to like get some youth in there, some more youth in there. Right. They did sign Arden Key earlier today. Yeah. So, you know, but Key was somebody who didn't have like, you know, uh, the the workout issues or whatever, he ballooned up and got like super heavy heading into the combine, ended up running in like the high four eights, which was like yeah. crazy because everybody thought he was going to be like this, you know, super athletic guy. And um, I think he like gained a bunch of weight. It was all kind of weird stuff around his pro day. Well, heading to the NFL, you know, got drafted, hasn't been great. And now the 49ers sign him, so he has a second opportunity. So we'll see. I just look at it as more just an opportunity. I think a guy like, you know, the Georgia linebacker kind of coming in and maybe being like a hybrid or someone who can maybe do some pass rushing, maybe play just some, you know, uh, Sam, you know, backer, like we saw from, you know, Dre Greenlaw coming in. I think that would yeah. be something that's like, you know, a good role and needed with the 49ers. Yeah, for sure. I think that like you can, you can never have enough pass rushers, right? That's, that's the biggest thing in the NFL. Like if you guys, these guys go down, keep, go, keep guys fresh. I think that what made Bosa so effective in his rookie year was that they had a good rotation going. And they weren't on the field the entire time, right? Like the, he was, he was playing a lot of snaps, but the defense as a unit wasn't on the field. And I think that they'll probably take a step back this year with uh, Robert Sala being gone. Maybe not a giant step back, but like a slight step back. They were top five last year. They may be like you know top ten this year. So right. with that happening, like they'll probably be on the field more. You need more players in depth than that. So um, yeah, 
round four, 117, um, Quinn Miners, the, the, the center slash guard from Wisconsin, Whitewater. Um, mm -hmm. He didn't have any 2020 tape, but he had a really, really, really good senior bowl. And he's big for a center. So I'm thinking that they could probably envision him as a guard as well, um, just because of the size. And that interior O-line, man, they need so much help there. That's probably the biggest weakness on this team. You could argue that that's one of the reasons why they didn't get that Super Bowl win against Kansas City because they kept blowing up the interior of the O-line. So, yeah, Quinn, Quinn Miners is the pick at, at uh, 117. Nice. You know, obviously, like, 49ers can definitely use depth in the interior. Um, I think there are a lot of people that want to draft, like, offensive line really early. I'm mm -hmm. like, uh, I don't know if I see them just doing quite that just because of, you know, when you look at the offensive line, I feel like for the most part, the starting lineup is pretty much set. Yeah. Um, you know, even with, um, uh, I'm blanking on his name, Brunskill at guard. You know, I think yeah. he's going to be fine there. You know, I think everybody looks at it as if, like, every offensive line is the 2017 Dallas Cowboys. And it's like, dude, no. Like, <laughs> typically, there's one guy that's not great. And I think when you look at the other four guys, I think they're definitely solid starters. I think Brunskill's a, starting, uh, a solid starter. And then you look at even behind him, there's some depth. Got some guys like Sean Coleman coming back. Um, mm -hmm. Some other guys that you want to see how they develop, right? McKivitz, um, and uh, who's the other guy? School. You know, these are guys who are drafted. Let's see how they develop. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I asked a question on Twitter. I'm like, if you believe in development, you can't give up on a guy like McKivitz just after one year and not even being like a full-time starter or anything like that. You gotta sometimes right. give these guys like a year or two to kind of see what they can become. So, um you know, I look at it like, hey, you bring in this guy that, that's versatile um, from, you know, uh, Wisconsin Whitewater, where he could play, you know, be a backup center to uh, Alex Mack or uh, a, a guard, you know, but just somebody that is in the mix and developing and eventually could take over for somebody like Alex Mack. I think that would be a really good pick. Yeah, for sure. I think that and, and the versatility too, right? Like Sean Coleman, right. like you said, he's like a he's like a swing everything. He can play guard or, or both tackle positions. And when he went down, I think that was a big, a big loss for them because you miss a guy that can literally play like, you know, four out of the five offensive line positions. So um, that's, that's big. Uh, round five, 155. Um, so this is, this is when you're kind of getting into the, uh, the, the middle to late rounds of the draft. And like, you don't know as much about guys and how they'll succeed. So you look at for specific, you're looking for specific traits or specific holes that they can fill. And, you know, I, I think, you know, with Trent Taylor basically being done uh, and, and not being able to get over injuries and not being that productive when he was healthy, you need somebody that can operate out of the slot. You need a guy that can also return punts and kicks and a special teams uh, ace. Richie James is kind of a question mark whether they want to bring him back or not. Um, so you can you can see a guy right here. Uh, so um, she's Smith from South Carolina, Debo's teammate. Remember, so Debo is kind of advocating for him, and you know he's undersized. He's like five nine, but like he can play multiple roles in Kyle's offense. Like we know that Kyle loves to put Debo everywhere, right? He loves to he loves to line them up wherever and 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 I don't want to say gadget plays but whatever he, whatever he wants to do with them like this would be a vers another versatile piece that they can use and a slot receiver which is something that they don't really have right now on the roster. Right. There's no true slot and I think you know I, I think they do a good job of having guys that are just versatile right that can line up outside line up inside but it is nice to have that true slot guy that you can you know depend on to be that quick separator right now and be able to get the ball in his hands and be somebody that is explosive like Smith and be able to, you know, have a nice run after catch. So that could be like his little Taylor Gabriel, you know, a guy yeah. that he just kind of works to get the ball in his hands in space and he's explosive and he can make something happen afterwards. So um, definitely missing a guy like that. Look at the receiver position, like you said, 
I'm a, I'm a probably a little bit more down on it than other guys. Obviously, yeah. I think the world of Debo Samuel. I definitely like where I use headed. But then after that, it's really kind of like, uh, maybe Richie James, see how they feel about him. Um, I think losing Kendrick Bourne, I think that was a big loss like for yeah. what he is. And I know there's a lot of people that like didn't care for him or whatever because of how he carried himself. But I'm like, man, like in his role as the fourth option behind Kittle, Debo, and Ayuk, I thought Kendrick Bourne was really good in that role and, mm -hmm. you know, did his job when he came in. And I think you're going to kind of miss that type of consistency that you got from him to be able to catch two, three balls a game, you know, when they matter most. Yeah. Um, but they're going to have to fill that role. And I think a guy like Ty Smith um, out of South Carolina, he could potentially be that type of guy. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. And beyond the top two, like you said, there's really no certainty. They signed Mahomes Sanu again. I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to do anything this year, but you've got uh, the dude, Juwan Jennings, that they drafted last year. You've got Jalen Hurd, who's constantly injured. He, I don't know how much you can count on him. It's like, there's a lot of question marks after that. So I think that adding another guy that could potentially produces is not a bad idea. Although that's the only receiver, I'm spoiling the rest of the draft, but that's the only receiver that we picked in this draft. Some people may want to double up on that, but that, that's the only one that, that we went with. So, right. um, so uh, one seventy two, pick one seventy two, Rash uh, Rashad Weaver, the DN from Pitt. So he tore his ACL in twenty seventeen, so he missed that entire season, but came back in 20, 2020, and he was really productive. Like he's kind of a tweener, and I know that we're doubling up with with picks with uh, Ojulari and and Weaver, but again, like these guys, like they are made for three, four defenses, but they, there are so few of those running around that, that they probably end up falling in the draft and you can get a ton of value later on. So to me, it's worth taking a risk on to see if they can add him into the rotation because Blair's coming off a major injury. He's only on a one year deal. Like we have to think about next year too, right? Like you want to be able to fill in your roster for next year to be able to keep that cap number low. So you can either resign like Fred Warner's coming up and eventually Bosa's coming up as well resign your current guys or get other free agents when the cap goes up. So uh, Rashad Weaver, DN from Pitt. All right. Yeah, I like it. I mean, the, the way that the 49ers lost defensive ends last year, just defensive line in general. And I think people think of, oh, well, we lost Nick Bosa. Hmm. But then it's like, well, yeah, then we lost Solomon Thomas. And, and then we lost uh, the, 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 the edge from BYU that we got from, like, the Seahawks. Um, oh, the dude. That's uh, why I can't that's Answer. Uh, Ezekiel uh, Ansah. Ezekiel Ansah, and then Deion Jordan went down as well. And then Deion Jordan. I mean, yeah. so it was just like a small – it never got Blair back. So it was like, man, if you can kind of load up and maybe just put a lot of resources at that position just to kind of see, like, who ends up sticking and who ends up being able to play as a reserve yeah. edge rusher, I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah, again, and Chris Krocek, the, the, that factor is totally up in play here as well because he's going to coach yeah. these guys up. So um, the next pick, round five, 180. So this was, to me, it was kind of a sentimental pick because, uh, you know, he has history with the 49ers, but Drew Dahlman, the center from Stanford, and I know I double up on centers, but the idea was that uh, Quinn Miners would flip over the guard and you have Drew Dahlman, who is basically like a zone blocking specialist at center. Um, he's 295, so he's like right like what Kai Shanahan wants. Um, son of 49ers uh, center Chris Dahlman, if you remember him from the 90s. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's, yeah, he's, it's his kid, right? So... Stanford kid, Lynch has his Stanford pick because we know how much John Lynch likes Stanford. Uh, and you get a zone blocking center that you can kind of stash away on the practice squad if you want. So, uh, yeah, Drew Dahlman at, at 180. I like it. Yeah. Um, so now we're getting down to like six and seven, last two picks of the draft. The Niners have nine picks. I'm not sure if they're going to use all of them. But again, like as I said at the beginning, like we, we didn't do any trades here. Um, I'm sure they'll probably trade for picks next year because they don't have the first round pick. 
uh, in, the, in the year after, but, uh, but uh, we'll see about that. So the quarterback room beyond, uh, you know, I mean, I don't think Jimmy's going to stick around. I think you'll probably see a trade at some point, uh, maybe a draft day trade, but Belichick wants him. And, and I think that he's going to get him. And I don't think that Jimmy will really want to play um, babysitter to a new, a new quarterback. So you're, you, you're going to have to refactor a quarterback room. Josh Rosen is there. Josh Johnson is there. They uh, picked up Sudfeld as well. Um, but like really, you know, these guys are all unknowns and, and how many of these guys can you stash in the practice squad? So I'm going to have them taking a flyer at uh, 194 on Peyton Ramsey, the quarterback from Northwestern. Mm. So this guy's an RPO specialist, right? Like he's an undersized QB. He likes to run a little bit. He's got a really quick release with a decent arm. He doesn't have elite arm talent, but I think that like the fact that he's undersized really, you know, that makes him undervalued. But I think that is a, a practice squad specialist sort of thing. Like this guy, you can stash away, you know, in emergencies. Like if you want some guy to run the RPO like scheme, so you don't have to really lose anything with that part of your playbook. You know, he could come in like in an emergency situation and do that for you. So um, yeah, just to fly around Peyton Ramsey, quarterback for Northwestern. No, nice. I mean, you look at the 49ers right now and they have like a bunch of these like veterans, you know, mm -hmm. um, behind whoever will be the rookie quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo. But I do think having a guy who, you know, that could be your like potential Nick Mullins, right? Like somebody yeah. who is like, you know what, we'll, we'll put him on practice squad and he could be somebody that can possibly develop into being Justin Fields backup, you know, in this mm -hmm. scenario. So, you know, I think when you look at it like that, as I will, yeah, if we don't have to pay, uh, you know, a Josh Rosen or a, a Sudfield or any of these guys that will potentially make more money as a backup, and we can go more with this lower tier um, draft pick quarterback and he can develop into something that's serviceable as a backup, that would be a nice little pickup. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. It is a crowded quarterback room, but again, like I'm with you on the cap savings because right now, like they're up, they're up against a cap. And I think that next year, once, because the cap went down, obviously because of COVID, like once next year, the cap jumps up, you're going to see a lot of movement in the free agent market. And you're going to see a lot of teams trying to jockey for position to get cap room. And I think that if you start that this year, that gives you a leg up and being able to do that next year. So, right. um, and then last pick, uh number 230 round seven um so again this this is a guy that may not fall this far um that this is a guy that you may know a little bit about because he's a corner he may not fall this far but if he does i think it's it's really good value in round seven um marco wilson the cornerback from florida so good height he's six foot plus um he plays best in in, in his own scheme so when the nines want to play zone like you know he, he'd be ideal for that um he's not the best run supporter so he kind of reminds me of witherspoon he's not the best tackler but I mean, like, you know, in that sense, like in round seven, you've got a guy that can play zone, that can play your scheme, um, that you can kind of, you know, they taught Witherspoon to kind of stick his, stick his nose in there, be tougher. This is another one of those like project guys that one day, like, like a Marcel Harris, can he come in there and start for you? Like if he needs to a spot start, can he come in there and be like, you know, like a Tarverius Moore, a guy that, that is, you know, really underrated that comes in that gives you production, right? Like this is one of those, again flyer picks uh marco wilson cornerback florida yeah marco wilson he's very intriguing you know watching him his film this last year um i watched a few games and i was just like man in the games that i watched like nothing popped and you you go to the you know he goes to his pro day and you see him put up crazy numbers right i mean like okay 40 yard dash uh aside where he ran in the four threes and we know some of these numbers have been a little bit inflated right at these pro days but even then he like his broad jump his his vertical jump everything was like through the roof. Like it was through the roof. So if anybody like ran a fast 40 time and you were going to believe it, 
I would say it was him just because of how well he tested all the way around. Now, the crazy thing is none of that explosiveness popped up on film. Yeah. Um, he's the son of a father who not only is a big time trainer, uh, defensive back trainer and coach. His brother is Quincy Wilson, who's also in the NFL that played mm -hmm. at Florida. Um, he played alongside Tyson Campbell and Patrick Sertain uh, mm -hmm. Jr. at high school at American Heritage College. I mean, high school or whatever it's called. Um, they all played together. Marco has had the coaching. He clearly has the athletic profile and ability. Now it's just time to to see if you can get him to like be more, maybe take more chances or do something to where he's going to pop a little bit more. I thought watching this film, he should be a guy that returned back to college. Mm -hmm. um, in the from the games I watched. His dad told me, well, yeah, he kind of struggled a little early on, but he got better as the season went on. I haven't been able to watch those games. But, you know, overall, he's somebody that was extremely versatile before them. He played outside, he played in the slot. When they played against Ole Miss, he played like this kind of position where wherever uh, number eight, um, uh, Moore, Elijah Moore lined up, he would just be over him. So if Elijah Moore was in the slot, he was over him in the slot. If Elijah Moore was at running back, he'd be like a middle linebacker right there. So it was like wherever he lined up, he was going to go. So. They did a lot of different things with him, um, and he was very versatile. Maybe, maybe that kind of hurt his ability to get, you know, focus in on one spot. He was somebody that tore his ACL previously. Um, so, you know, Marco, he's very intriguing. I think all the ability is there. And if I was to kind of gamble on a late-round cornerback, seventh round, he'd be somebody who I'd be fine with because he has the ability. I feel like he has the pedigree. Now it's just time to put it all together. Yeah, and I think like when you're looking at the back of the draft like that, those are the types of guys you want to get, right? Where they have that, they have that elite potential, but like they just haven't put it together. And you see it all the time, where that you know somebody's drafting the fourth, fifth, sixth round, like George Kittle, for example, right? Elite blocker. We didn't know that he would turn into what he is today, but like you know, there was that one trait. They're like, all right, this guy's a phenomenal blocking tight end. He's going to work great in Kyle's running game, and all of a sudden he turns into the best, the arguably the best tight end in the league because he shows you that he's uber athletic in other ways. So a lot of these guys, they just need a shot. In the right scheme and you know if really like a guy like marco wilson can play in his own scheme and play like the the, the scheme that the niners do uh and, and succeed in it i think that you know that's that's a win overall and if he makes the roster that is a win because if you're a seventh round pick you're not expected to make it so right yeah so overall like i think that like we you know reviewing this like we kind of drafted for need a little bit but also like we looked at at the best player available for a lot of these positions at that at that point, right? And I think that like you can't go with one. There's no like broad brush that you can paint to be like, all right, this hits all your points. Like you can't take BPA all the time, and you can't draft for need all the time. It's got to be like a hybrid approach, right? So I think that like we we pretty much hit on like whatever they needed, plus like got a few extra things in as well. Yeah, no, I like it. it Looks like the 49ers kind of set and ready to go. I really like the, you know, especially like, you know, the first two picks and then got some good, you know, potential death pieces that could potentially be starters like the edge rushers uh, from Georgia and, and some of those guys. So, and then even Marco Wilson, who I'm not as high on, but could definitely see a scenario where he ends up being really good. So mm -hmm. I like it. Anytime yeah, you get Justin Fields in the draft, I think, you know, that's Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's a win right there. I think that, you know what it is, man? Like you got to hit on your first two to three picks, right? You, those those got to be hits. You can't miss on those because those are the guys that are most likely going to be starters, right? Like right. the first like rounds one through three, especially rounds one and two. And, you know, when they missed on Pettis, that was such a huge miss because it's like you expected that guy to come in and start and, and he was never able to do it. So, you know, getting Debo 
and and Bosa the next year was so it was so critical and like they have another chance this year where your position where you have to hit on the first one I think they will and you have another guy you know somebody's going to follow you at 43 guys slip out of the first round for all sorts of reasons right you're close enough where you'll get a first round talent at 43 so right. really really well set up but uh, but yeah man any any final thoughts before we uh, before we get out of here oh man um i'm just like everybody else just waiting we're about a week away now and um i'm really excited this is probably one of the most polarizing drafts not just for the 49ers but i think just just because of everybody like these these are high profile players that are in it you know from yeah. Trevor Lawrence, who has been pegged as, you know, the number one guy for a few years now, seeing where Justin Fields and Zach Wilson who came up out of nowhere. Where does Mac Jones go if he doesn't go to three? Where does he fall to? Um, seeing, okay, we're Kyle Pitts, who's going to take that? Jamar Chase and Devontae right. Smith, who's going to be the first out of those guys? Jalen Waddle, very explosive guy. Like, you know, and then you start getting into some of the defensive guys. You got Sertain and Horn. And there's just, I feel like there's a lot of, like, Storyline picks Caleb Farley. How far did yeah. how far does he fall because of the back stuff? I think you know it's gonna be, this first round is gonna be pretty explosive. I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, you're gonna see like I said, you're gonna see a lot of guys that ordinarily would have been picked in the first round to fall out because there's yeah. so much talent. There's there's so much yeah. damn talent. Everybody and, can't go in the first round. Yep, yeah. and it's gonna be so much fun watching it. Like I'm gonna have that anxiety for the first like three picks of it <laughs> until yeah. we find out who the quarterback is gonna be. But once we find out, hopefully it's Fields or Lance. Hopefully you find out it's one of those guys. And I'm like, all right, cool. Where is Mac Jones going to go? And it's funny because before, uh, before we sign off here, I just want to say this real quick. Mac Jones has basically been mocked to the Niners more than anybody else. Like I don't yeah. see any other team getting any other love for Mac Jones, like maybe the Patriots. Um, but no other teams are really saying that they actually want Mac Jones, which is a funny thing. And to me, that smells a little bit fishy. And that's when I started kind of questioning it. I'll say this about it. I, I'll never be someone to claim to have all these different sources and stuff. But, you know, I, I do end up, you know, knowing people and having, you yeah. know, certain relationships. And I have somebody that's associated with the 49ers that just, you know, will tell me information, like just little things that they hear or whatnot. Or I know some things and I'll tell you about off air that's going to be like, what? You're going to be like, <laughs> what? Really? Um, so, you know, I, I hear things here and there from this person. And okay. this is the only person I know that's kind of involved in that way. But um, they have a source that's tied more to the front office. Right. And the person that their source says is the pick is Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. Now, that their source has not heard that from Kyle Shanahan. Mm -hmm. And this is somebody that's usually close to that whole thing, but they haven't even heard. It. So my, I, I say all that to say, if this person doesn't know it, or I don't want to say that doesn't know, but has not heard that from Kyle Shanahan's mouth. I feel like nobody has. Yeah. And I think that's the part where everybody mocking Mac Jones, or even if they're mocking Justin Fields or Trey Lance or anybody, nobody has any idea. It's yeah. really all about maybe a vibe that they're getting or something that they're hearing from this person that heard from this person. But I really feel like nobody has any idea truly who the pick is. And I think that makes it an even more exciting uh, uh, draft coming next Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like the draft be, it should be tomorrow, man. The 22nd, yeah. man. Like, Gosh. What are we, they, they, remember when it was like in May for some reason, they're like, Oh, it's, it's in May, but like they moved it back to April. Now it's like, dude, it used to be the third week of April, I believe. Right. Yeah. 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 It was the third week of April. We were done. And now it's like, all right, end of April. Cause you want football in every month. Right. So 
but man, it's just, it's, it's taking forever. It's taking forever, dude. So, all right, man. But, uh, but thanks so much, dude. I, I appreciate you, man. Like, you know, I've known you for a few years now, dude, you're always so generous with your time. Um, you know, you, you make time for us, like no matter what, like is going on, you always message, you're always happy to come on the show, dude. Honestly speaking, man, like you make our job so much easier by being so forthcoming, so nice about it, dude. Like there's people who, who aren't as nice about it and it makes it like pulling teeth for us. But the fact that like, you're so cool about it, dude, like we, we really appreciate that about you, man. Oh yeah. I think anybody knows, man, like I'm all about talking football. So anytime I have an opportunity, man, and I, I'm pretty much free, I, I make time. Um, I'm all for it, man. But I appreciate the kind, kind words. Appreciate that, man. So let's drop your Twitter handle real, real quick for people that, that may not know where to find you. Yeah, man, you guys um, follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker. I also have um, the YouTube channel that I just started. And in the first week, I've gotten over uh, a thousand subscribers. So that's pretty yeah. cool. And it keeps climbing. So that's Croc Talk TV. And then I have my Patreon account where like a lot of the prospects, like I've done a ton of prospects. There's over 30 video breakdowns, like in depth, in detail on my Patreon account. That's patreon.com slash crock talk. And the cool thing is if you're a 49er fan, cause I have three tiers that are showing, um, one is like $3, but you don't really get much with it. There's another one that's $10 and there's a $20 one. But if you're a 49er fan, I actually have a hidden 49er faithful tier. And if you just DM me and say that you want to, you know, uh, s subscribe to the faithful tier, it's $3 a month, but I give you access to everything that everybody else gets. So oh. if, if you are a 49er fan and you are interested in some of these prospects and, you know, maybe what they potentially can be, or you just want to support or whatever the case is, holler at me, DM me at Eric and score Crocker. And, um, I'll get you set up to the, the tier, uh, faithful tier on, on the Patreon. Perfect. Awesome stuff, man. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. We will see who the Niners draft. Uh, I would like to say it's nice to unite over not wanting Mac Jones after fighting over quarterbacks for the last 18 months with all 49ers fans. It's nice that we're all <laughs> getting along now, right? But, uh, we'll, see. <laughs> we'll see who the Niners get. Uh, for Eric Crocker, this is Zane Nackby with another episode of the 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. <laughs>